everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Tell Us What's in the Box. What's in the box? What is in the box today? Oh, goodness. Go video ahead. game. Yeah, it's a video game. Another one. We haven't done one, one of these for a hot minute, um, mm-hmm. but we will be myself, Joanna, and Danny. Danny! We, yes. <laughs> we will be chatting about a recent release uh came out uh last year little nightmares 2 um it is technically the prequel to the first game little nightmares uh even though it says two uh you find out that it's a prequel kind of throughout throughout the game um well way to cut to the end joanna You haven't played it by now. This is like one of the first things that you find out if you go searching for it on like wiki or any <laughs> or anything like that. But still not a spoiler. There's a lot of stuff that we're super excited to to dig into. Um, so, oh, what I did mention was this um, this video game was developed by Supermassive Games and. Um, you know, if you listen to some of our other podcasts, you might recognize that. Um, mm-hmm. We've done other super massive games. Yes, we have. Uh, and we're super excited massive. for some other super massive games that are going to come out before the end of this year. But to focus back on Little Night- Nightmares 2. Um, so this game is sort of like a 2.5D puzzle game um there's a lot of you know strategy and puzzle solving and things and things like that but it's also sort of like a horror suspense adventure game um you take on the role as mono who is a little boy who wears a paper bag over his head with holes that are cut cut out of you know cut out in the center of it um uh, you have a friend named Six who you adventure around the corrupt world with, um, and your goal is to discover the source of an evil transmission that is broadcast through the TVs and is kind of turning everybody into zombies. Huh? This sounds a little familiar, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. So we're going to be talking about all of that today and this game has a lot of characters in it um so Danny, well, creatures I'll- i mean the characters yeah, yeah but you know things you run into more than anything i mean the characters are kind of like you know mono and six like the two characters you kind of play the rest are yeah. kind of like antagonist you know and there's no dialogue in the game mm-hmm. which makes it a little bit interesting because you know it's all done by you know just gleaning what's happening and stuff like that whatever you get from the characters because there's no like dialogue to talk about or anything absolutely yeah if you've played um like inside or limbo it's very much in that same vein in which all the storytelling is being done visually um, and mm-hmm. through the game, game, uh, excuse me, gameplay itself. So you have to, you know, kind of piece together the story. Um, but if you have played the first game, um, you might recognize the character of six. Char- uh, you played six in the first game. And between both games, there's this over um, arcing theme of kind of like the horrors of childhood and having to, to navigate that. Um, and with the second one, the developers kind of doubled down on it um, and gave a new mission for Six and Mono to go mm. tackle. Yeah. But anyways, we have this whole entire list of characters slash monsters that you encounter and they're all very, very different, but yet they all draw parallels to a uh, childhood in some way so with yeah that, i think danny you seem like you really want to talk about this so i'm gonna shut up i want to like- talk about something yeah well, i mean what i'm gonna talk about is it's very much like when we talked about sputnik last time in that this is all metaphor like it, you know in sputnik when we talked about it we talked a lot about how everything was really metaphorical, like the, the, the setting and the horror aspects and stuff 
were really just kind of metaphorical aspects of, you know, what, what the message was. And I think Little Nightmares 2 is the same way. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, I mean, it's a metaphor. I mean, there's no dialogue. So you have really nothing to do but to take it as visual metaphors for things and stuff like that. So I think all the creatures and the, you know, I mean, like, like, like you said, it's a puzzle game. So it's not like, don't expect first person shooter. Don't expect to go, you know, and do all this stuff. It's not that, I mean, and it's forgiving because that's not the point, you know, you die, you pretty much, you know, if you mess up and don't solve the puzzle, you pretty much can come back pretty soon from where you stopped. So the point is not to like punish you and make you like do it over and over again. They just want you to like finish the game. You know what I'm saying? Like, right. So it's not like one of those games where it's like, I mean, don't go in expecting like, Oh, it's super hard boss. I have to, you know, you know, whatever, you know, it's not really like that. It's about the visual and puzzle solving and kind of getting through it and stuff like that, rather than like your, your, your uh, dexterity skills. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like it's, it's not, you know, the type of game that you're going to sit there and like quick time events and stuff like that. It's just not. Um, So therefore, and I think the reason for that is because my whole point of saying that was because the type of game it is even leads me more to think that you have to take the stuff visually and metaphorically rather than anything else, because you know, there's, there's only the visual, there's only the dialogue, there's not a lot of action-y combat or anything else to take away from. So you kind of have to go off the feelings that you get while playing it. And you have to go off, um, you know, the visual stuff that you're seeing um, in it. So um, you were talking about the traumas of childhood. Yeah. I mean, you want to expound on that? Like, how do you feel like it expounds on those things for sure i mean if we just at a like very basic level like we look at all of the monsters in this game compared to the children that you can play uh, mono and six um all of the monsters are either really creepy adults or they're also children who have been twisted or corrupted in some way. And throughout mm-hmm. the whole game, you're having to essentially escape, um, not necessarily do, do battle with, but you know, you have these monsters um, like the teacher, right? Where you have this stereotypical um and even like very like old school image of a, like like a scary teacher like a very overbearing authoritative teacher which you have to um <clears throat> basically kind of sneak past and avoid and everything you don't want her to catch her because you know are you you don't want her to catch you because that just ends in badness <laughs> right um, yeah, I mean, you have what else? The the bullies or who are the other students at the school? Um, mm-hmm. you know, they actually serve the uh, teacher, right? So it kind of makes them bullies in a very different sense, and more like they are teachers' pets. They are the tattletales, right? So if you're not doing mm-hmm. what you're supposed to be doing, teacher, teacher, um, and then you know the teacher is going to be very, very mad. Mm-hmm. Um, so uh, you know, for me, those two stood out the most. Not just also, you know, having been a teacher for several years, but also like remembering my own experiences dealing with tattletales and crappy teachers, like growing up, you know, um, I think this, like that, like in particular for me felt very much like you are capturing the like one major vibe of childhood here. And not only are you able to kind of take control and have six help mono throughout the game, but it's both of them, these two innocent children that are stuck in this world, trying to navigate it and trying to uh, cut off the source of the transmission, which has people glued to their TVs. And they're just kind of like, 
ignoring what's Ah. going on around them and kind of in metaphorical effect, ignoring mono and six. So, yeah, I mean, I thought it was interesting that the things they used as the, as the like monsters and the antagonists were things that would scare, scare children a lot of times, you know, teachers, doctors, Mm -hmm. um, stuff like that. People with guns, you know, hunters and hunting and all that stuff, you know, they're all things that kids are scared of. They're all things that, you know, that, um, you know, would scare you as a kid. You know, I was scared of my teachers when I was in elementary mm-hmm. school, you know, vision authority, you know, I mean, I not like everybody was, but it's <laughs> yeah. just, you know, things that have authority over kids, you know, like teachers and doctors, you know, forcing you to do things that you don't, might not want to do, or, mm-hmm. you know, just, just associated with unpleasant things like school and shots and, and all of that stuff, you know? So it makes sense, you know, turn those things that everybody kind of doesn't like anyway, or didn't like anyway, when they were a kid and, and make them into true monsters and, and whatnot, and have them go after these kids. So yeah, yeah, you know, and, you know, I found an article, um, you know, because the thing with this is, is, you know, I was, we were talking and we've talked about before about not, um, enjoying in a lot of ways. I think we talked about this in, um, I'm thinking of ending things Mm -hmm. where, you know, we talked about liking things that didn't necessarily like feed everything to you, Yeah, you know, where you have to sit and figure it out. And this game was one of them. I mean, it obviously had a meaning. It obviously had something they were, they were expounding upon, but they didn't give it to you at all. So, you know, pondering it, I, you know, it was obviously had a very, um, Almost like to me, before I looked anything up about this, this game, mm-hmm. it had a very distorted feel to it. Like stuff that was familiar, but distorted, like being mm-hmm. in school or being out in the woods or uh, being in a hospital. you know, it was like familiar things distorted, which is sometimes, you know, a lot of, th- a lot of horror people, people who make horror games, movies books, whatever we'll play with, you know, taking things that are familiar and turning them into something grotesque or horrifying, you know? Um, And that's kind of what they did here with the teacher and the doctor. And they didn't just go for horrifying, like in an uncanny valley, unsettling kind of way. I mean, this was like Cronenberg stuff. Yes. Oh, that's (laughs) a good way to describe it. Yeah. It was like body horror stuff. You know, I mean, the teacher with the fucking long neck or whatever coming after you and the hands coming out of the walls and the flesh stuff and all this other stuff. I mean, that's body horror. That's not just, you know, unsettling or being intimidating because it's an adult and bigger than you, like literally like body horror stuff going on. Yeah. You know, the, uh, the, the next thing with the teacher reminded me of this one teacher that I had when I was way, way like when I was like a little kid, she um, chased you with her. Long no, neck. no, but it, <laughs> it was, it was always like, I just remember teachers, especially like from preschool to about probably like second grade. I remember having teachers who were just like super into what all the students were doing, making sure that they were on time. So, you know, it was sort sort of this, like, as you're walking down the, um, the rows of students watching them take their test or work quietly or whatever. I just always remember like teachers, you know, looking one way, like craning their necks, looking (laughs) at their students' papers, you know, things, things like that. Like I felt so Uh, connected to that image specifically. And as a kid, I always hated it because I'm like, I'm doing my stuff. You're making me nervous. Stop watching yes. me. You know, stop hovering over my shoulder. Dang it. I Let know, me do what right? I need to do. Yeah. And then other, other stuff, you know, like the hands and the patients and the doctor and everything. I never liked any of that stuff when I was a kid. Cause I associated yeah. it with being really sick and probably dying and everything else, you know? So, and seeing 
strangers in the hospital or at the doctor's office or at the ER that just looked like totally fucked up. Like even as an adult today, I don't, I don't like it. <laughs> I don't like going there. Um, you know, yeah. so, but yeah, a lot of parallels to even, you know, probably icky feelings or maybe some little fears that you can still have have as an adult that carried from your your childhood so I felt that connection was was really nicely and subtly done for sure yeah I know I mentioned that I was sick a lot when I was a kid so I spent a lot of time at the doctor so I could definitely uh I relate to that crap you know yeah. <laughs> like, like and all that stuff I mean you know, I mean, it was all, you know, um, you know, I'm trying to, to, you know, because they've given us so, so little, which is making this really interesting to talk about Mm. because, you know, we've talked about wanting to work, but they explain, but so very little is explained even in the first one. I mean, why, why is six there? Why, what, what is going on? Like, we don't know. I mean, unless you have some insight, I don't, but just playing the games, you kind of just get shoved in there. Like you start the first game at six and you're just kind of going through and you don't know why you're there. You're just kind of going through and you're trying to do the things that you need to do to progress. Yeah. But why is she there? Like, what's the story? How did she end up there? Mm -hmm. Right. How did six end up there? Um, And then yeah, as you mentioned, you find out that, you know, in a weary weird, and we'll come back to it, that this is actually like a prequel. So after this one, you know how Six got to the place she starts the Little Nightmares 1 in. But then how did those two get there? Like, like there's no, like, what started this whole thing? I mean, unless you've read something or seen something mm-hmm. that I haven't. But just gleaning from the, from the, and I haven't read too many theories, so I don't know who has theories out there about what this whole thing is. I mean, maybe it's just one of those things you just have to accept. Like these kids mm-hmm. are just kind of going through these things and, and we don't know. And they're representative. It's a very dreamlike world in a lot of ways, you know? So, I mean, maybe it doesn't need an explanation. Maybe it's just, I don't know, just the way it is. It's just representative of something. But, you know, I found that question to be the biggest one. You know, I mean, because Mm -hmm. both kind of just set you in the beginning as like, here you are, you know, here's what you're, you know, just start walking, start pushing on things, trying to figure it out. And okay, here's these other creatures that are trying to get at you. But, you know, how did I get here? Where am I supposed to be going? Why am I going there? Yeah. You know, et cetera, et cetera. You know, Absolutely. I mean, I think going back to what I said about the uh, end of Little Night Nightmares 2, um, I think <clears throat> especially if you played the first one or there's there is a little bit about Little Night Nightmares 2 that does kind of rely on people already playing the first one or at least being familiar with the character of Six or maybe watching like a Let's Play or walkthrough or something like that um because of how everything ends um and the ending of little nightmares 2 it gives uh it made me think of six like differently just because of uh what goes down in the end um so you know as mono you rescue six from like being too uh, hip, hypnotized or enamored by this music box. Uh, and at first six is pretty pissed off that, that you destroy it, but the, it, it, you know, that was how the transmission, you know, from this tower was, you know, kind of hip hypnotizing, um, six. Um, but at the end, as the tower kind of, you know, falls, falls apart, um, six kind of betrays you as as mono she lets you fall into the depths of the tower and she just kind of escapes so she decides to abandon you and you are stranded um and then at that end we see 
mono growing older and taller but thinner and he becomes one of the characters that we have met already in this game called the thin man the thin man right yeah yeah um and then so yeah oh go 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 and then we can talk talk i was just gonna say because then it's just this weird like time thing so you are running into your future self as you know like or did you replace that person you know, like, is it, you know, yeah. it's, it's like, how does that work then? I mean, the only, the only explanation I could think of is from what I'm saying before is this is kind of like a dreamlike world. Mm-hmm. It's kind of metaphorical. It doesn't really have any concept of like time so much or like, you know, regular rules like that, you know, you kind of drift in and out or whatever. And yeah. It's very kind of dream logic kind of things in that sense i kind of took um mono turning into the thin man is mostly like there could be multiple like thin men in this world i think you know the the thin man um he is the main antagonist of of the game um, he's the one behind the transmission, you know, that's got everybody attached to their TVs. Um, and he's responsible for the distortion of the pale city and probably the entire universe. Right. So this is, um, you know, clearly not, not a, not a good monster character, whatever. So the fact that it's the very act of six abandoning mono and mono turns, you know, as he gets older, he turns into a thin man. I think Mm -hmm. metaphorically it's saying that the horrors that a lot of people endure as children, they carry with them into adulthood. And Uh, then they, and you know, that's why a lot of them, yeah, put out horrors into the universe that affect people, which mm. sort of, I think, ties into everybody being transfixed by their TV. And I mean, if you think about every, you know, the invention of the TV, getting into everybody's mm-hmm. homes, and now we have computers and tablets and phones and all of these different ways to, you know, keep our eyeballs like occupied and our brains somewhat, Uh I guess, you know, like that's sort of a real world horror. Like you turn into this sad adult who didn't find a way to deal with their trauma. So now they Mm -hmm. are taking it out on the world. Hmm. Does that make sense? That's interesting. Yeah. Talking about basically the cycle of like the trauma you endure in childhood. Yeah. You kind of doomed to repeat it, essentially. Yeah, that's that's yeah, that could make sense. How, so how I took it, yeah. So where are we going? Mm-hmm. I guess would be that. I mean, because I would assume. I mean, because it feels like, like I was talking about before, it feels like you know we're in the middle of some kind of thing here. Mm-hmm. You know, like between the first one and the second one. So what are we going to do? Are we going to go back? further and see how we got to where the point where mono and six start in the three if they do three or are we gonna like move ahead and see what happened to six after one you know is there Mm -hmm. some kind of like are they planning to have it come full circle at some point where you know we see the whole cycle coming or you know like what where 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 are we at with that I mean that's kind of my question here because it really does feel like things started before we got here Mm -hmm. and things are continuing to go after we left so are they bringing them back so we see the whole thing and we see the whole thing come Mm -hmm. together and whatever meta thing they're trying to do or, or do we just have to kind of accept it that, you know, hey, you know, think this is where it starts and this is where it ends, you know? Yeah, I think we kind of have to, like, accept, at least for right now, just because uh, 
I'm reading something from Screen Rant written by Brianna Reeves. Uh, This is back in February of this year, Mm -hmm. 2021. Um, It says uh, Little Nightmares 2. Oh, I just realized, I think we have been saying the wrong studio the entire time. Who's been making this? Yes, it is Tars, Tarzer Studios, T-A-R-S-I-E-R, not super massive. Just realized that right now. So. All right. Well, we can change that. Correction corner, you know. um, Sorry. Sorry about that. Oh, it's all right. They might have had something to do with it. Can I saw there was like Namco involved as well. So Bandy Namco. Maybe, yeah. maybe, yeah, maybe, uh, maybe it's just involved somehow, but not actually the ones that are doing it. So, yeah, I don't know. Anyways. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, you were saying. Yeah. Uh, about um, the- there, there will probably not, or this, this article says they're probably won't like it's not likely that there's a little night nightmares three um because the team uh the the development team will be focusing on a brand new game um with a new mm-hmm. story and everything else um hmm. so that's um but since bandy namco since they're the publisher and they own the little night nightmares world um it is you know possible that tarzer studios can go back and do it um you know Hmm. um so that's it so i think you know if we go back to what we were talking about as sort of you know the cycle of trauma um (laughs) it's and what what you said about like we're kind of just dropped in this world and you know we don't know how it you know like like story-wise or linear linear in 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 a linear fashion like we don't know like how the characters like ended up here but if you think about like how trauma works in the real world there isn't one thing I mean there might be one thing where you can like pinpoint like okay this was a traumatic event that happened which caused this but a lot of the time it's a lot of little things that add up over times and then you're an adult and you're like how did I get here yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just interesting because mm-hmm. it's so different, really, than what you're, um, than what you're used to in yeah. terms of of storytelling. Um, I mean, I I could probably, if I sat and thought about it, think of other movies or stories that kind of did the same type of thing. Um, but they're kind of few and far between. It's not an oft used yeah. thing. Um, did you ever play a game called Unraveled? No, I didn't. What is that game? No, yeah, it was it was a game where you play this little um like ball of yarn thing. Mm-hmm. And it has no dialogue or anything like that. And it's very much this puzzle solving thing, much like Little Nightmares. It's not a horror thing. I mean, I actually I kind of there's some pretty like it's very much in the little nightmares vein. Mm-hmm. But even then, you were quite aware of what the story was. Like, even more so than in Lonely. Because mm-hmm. even Unraveled, it's like, oh, the person who usually makes me in this cottage and uses me to make things has disappeared, I think. If I remember, I played it so long ago. And yeah. you're going out <laughs> to try to find them. I mean, it's the simplest of motivations, but you still have kind of a motivation. Like, I mean, I don't even think we got that in Little Nightmares Tour. Well, you just kind of are there and you're like, okay, which way can I go? You don't even really have a, you know, you're even stated a very simple, I mean, I may have missed it. But. Yeah. I mean, the main motivation for, for you as the player is to turn off the transmission. Like you have to get to the sig- signal tower, deal with the thin man, so you can turn it off and sort of like restore peace and balance to the entire world mm-hmm. that that you're in. Because uh, everybody's mm-hmm. to, everybody's glued to their TVs. <laughs> um, but as we kind of know, since this is a prequel, there's still a lot of horrors. Um, you know, that six deals with in the other game. And it's, you know, not just the horrors of uh, 
broadcast visual transmissions <laughs> that are bad for for these kids. Um, there are also like DLCs that came out after the first game um, that kind of mm -hmm. offer like a different perspective on Six's adventures, which can help clue you in to the rest of the world that you um you know that you explore in little night nightmares too um there is like you play as a young boy known as the runaway kid um and you know he has to deal with the maw and everything else from from the first game um and his whole world is kind of like oh this is a runaway kid but it's you know his perspective on all the dark parts of the world on the outside, mm -hmm. you know, having to come to terms with like survival, um, and things and things like that. Um, I think, I don't know. And tell me if you, if, if you kind of feel the same way that because of the ambiguity of these games and the fact that that there isn't any dialogue you know you're kind of taking you know there's an abstract approach to the storytelling through the visuals but that i think just allows the player to you know make more personal connections to it it's almost like kind of like yeah a, like like a terror reading kind kind of you know like yeah i interpret yeah. it interpret mm -hmm. it how you how you will i suppose yeah and I don't know, because usually I don't, I mean, maybe for some reason, just the way it was presented, I wasn't mm -hmm. quite getting it. I mean, it, that happens sometimes. I usually feel like I'm pretty good at cluing in on, on what's happening and what's going on. Um, but maybe just because it was so, you know, yeah, you were trying to like... <laughs> I mean, I guess I didn't even pick up that you were trying to stop a signal. It just kind of like, I mean, I guess maybe you piece that together through, through something. I don't mm -hmm. know. I mean, I guess I just kind of saw that you were kind of going through and trying to avoid certain things and stuff like that. Oh, for sure. There's from what I saw, yeah. but I mean, you got the part about the the signal and everything like that, but I guess I didn't get like how, like playing the game. I guess it didn't explicitly like to me be like, oh, you have to stop the signal. And that's what you're trying to do. It was just like, yeah. it felt more like, you know, you're trying to survive, you know, you're trying to avoid the hunter. You're trying to like not get ate by the teacher, you know, like that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah. I but, mean, I mean, sorry, go, go ahead. I was going to say, maybe it was just, it was just me or, or whatever, or the way it was presented and stuff, but. I mean, I, I just didn't get it having looked at it yeah, and stuff. I didn't get like, oh, my goal is to, you know, stop this signal or whatever. Yeah. That's you know, fair. it's just yeah. kind of like you were, you were walking through, you know, you're walking through and you're trying to see all these dead bodies and stuff hanging around, mm -hmm. you know, and, and, and very morbid scenes that you're stumbling across and trying to puzzle puzzle your way through i mean and you see that there's some kind of you know people are fascinated with the tv and stuff but i guess i just didn't connect that mm -hmm. like oh you're trying to stop that thing yeah you know i mean i was more concentrated on like oh what do you need to do now you know what's going to happen now you know okay the teacher showed up how do you get away from it you know yeah. what do you have to do yeah, you were thinking more mechanically, like more gameplay. Like, what do I do in this scenario to survive? Right. Which, you know, and yeah, or figuring out the puzzle rather than having the why am I doing this in the first place mm -hmm. kind of thing be at the forefront. I don't know. I mean, apparently other people got it. So <laughs> so maybe it was just it was just me. Yeah. Maybe it was just me or Did something you... that becomes apparent after or something like yeah. that. I don't know. Did you play the first game? Yeah, I played the first, but it was a while ago. Okay. I mean, I don't even I know you had to fight some woman. Wasn't there like a wardrobe or something at the end? That's been that a while to since, do... since I yeah, played <laughs> Um, um, there is a part at the end where like you bite onto some lady's neck and you absorb her uh, magical powers 
right that's, that's right. the end the end of the first one so um yeah but yeah the the first one also had kind of an open ending um like six waits at the entrance of the maw for like a ship to come to come get her um so we don't know if she was actually rescued (laughs) which goes which goes back to what i was saying before Mm -hmm. what would the next one be are we going to continue with what happened with six at the end of the first one or are you going to go back even further to what happened before you start the second one right Uh, you could go either go back further it's like they gave you in the middle of a timeline yeah you know and then you know either you could go back again and figure out how they got to the point where the second one starts or keep going from where the first one ended and see what happens you know i mean if they decide to do it be interesting yeah Yeah. if they do but that's what I was saying, because it's like it's not like it, it all comes around or anything like that. I mean, because even if you had ended it like, you know, oh, and she does the first one and you start up at the beginning of the second one. And then you're like, oh, OK, it's this infinite time loop yeah, kind of thing going on, you know, um, but that didn't happen either. So, mm-hmm. like I said, that's why it feels like and. And I don't know, I mean, I just. I mean, listening to it, I'm having to learn a lot more about like what the actual plot was involving the the turning off the signal and stuff like that than I did from the game. Like, because to me, the mm-hmm. game was you're going through, you're solving the puzzle, you just kind of keep moving forward. But I guess like that that one purpose kind of eluded me. I guess I didn't pick up the context clues you know, from the people watching the TVs or being mm. like hepped up on it and having their faces <laughs> messed up because of it, you know, yeah. it would, like, turn and their faces would be all messed up and everything. And I guess I didn't get that that was supposed to mean, oh, there's a big signal or whatever, mm-hmm. you know, and then even when you get to the end, you know, I don't know, maybe, maybe I just wasn't in the mindset to, to get it at the end or realize it until after or whatever. No. And I mean, mean, the atmosphere was still good. I still enjoyed the creepy atmosphere and all the creepy stuff. And I could tell there was a different message just because of the type of game that it was. Yeah. They were definitely trying to say something. They weren't interested in having people like test their dexterity or test you know, whatever. It was like, no, we want you to be immersed in the world and the puzzles and the atmosphere right. and do that instead. Instead of worrying about, you know, what but what what order do I have to mush button buttons in and how fast do I have to mash them? Yeah. <laughs> you That's know, nice because sometimes those quick time events are just like, oh shit. And then you hit the wrong button because you panic and you're like, no, I don't want them to die. <laughs> Yeah, the first time I played Until Dawn, my friend's dog ran under during a quick time event. Oh, no. Uh-huh. Yeah. So so anyway, you know, so, so you can tell that there's definitely that. I guess I just didn't get, I mean, I suppose it's one of those things just in retrospect, like you see it and I just mm-hmm. didn't get it. I mean, maybe because it was real late, too. That could have been it, you know, and because it That's wasn't, fair. I wasn't in a mindset to yeah. sit like. And be like, what is this all, you know, like, but now again, okay, they're turning off the signal. And then I guess he starts the signal. So why did the signal start in the first place? Yeah. I mean, like I said, it's just Mm. very like you're in the situation, but you don't know how the situation got to that point. You don't know, you know, so it's, so it's very much, you know, you just kind of take it on its own terms. Yeah. And, and and look at it that way. And if they're not going to be making any more, well, then, you know, you really do have to just do that and understand that that's the story. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You know? I mean, if you look at and like interviews that the developers did with with the first game, um, they outright, you know, kind kind of said that they wanted to explore the wild extremes of of childhood um and that like the ma itself which is the place that uh, six goes to um it was created as a piece of concept art where all the worst things in the world could be left to rot um 
So, and in keeping with the theme of childhood, the team opted against creating like a powerful protagonist. Um, you know, just because the way I interpret that is that with the wild extremes of childhood, like it's not just one thing that you're fighting against. It's like multiple things that you're trying to learn how to navigate, how to interpret and how to survive, especially like if you did not have the best childhood, like growing up. And I think, you know, to talk, to continue talking about the first game a little bit, the character of six, like her main thing is this insatiable hunger. Right. Um, and her stomach is always growling. Um, and she gets so hungry to other points where, you know, like she, she kills people like the lady at the end and absorbs her, her powers. So I kind of took that as both like a literal hunger and a metaphorical hunger. And there's a bit of that metaphorical hunger in the second game as well, but it's presented as like, you know, your goal is to unplug these people from their TV or to, you know, prevent more adults from getting sucked in and utterly destroyed by this box and getting distracted and not paying attention to the kids in the world. You know, um, to me, it was reminiscent of like, when you, you know, go to the park and you watch the kids play around and the parents are just all on their phones. They're not engaging with their kids or anything else. And I felt like, you know, that is like emotionally for a child to not have that sort of connection yeah. with an adult. Like that to me was the, uh, the uh, TV screen. You know what it kind of reminded me of? There was a Twilight Zone, Tales of the Dark Side, The Night Gallery, one of those mm -hmm. anthology horror shows way back in the day. And I think it was The Twilight Zone, maybe, or Tales from the Dark Side. I think it was Tales from the Dark Side. Where it was very much kind of a needful things uh, kind of store that it revolved around, and you and people would come in and they would get like what they needed, but not mm -hmm. like what they were looking for, you know, and it yeah. always came at a price and stuff. And one of them was this guy who came in and he was an alcoholic mm. and abused his kids. And what he found in the shop was this mirror that showed him how he looked to his family and it was all distorted and it was all mm. like, he looked like a monster in the mi mirror. And so when you were talking about that, like it kind of made me think of that. Like maybe this world is like how these, these children, the main character see the world. Like it's, yeah. it's monstrous, right? Like they, that's how they see it. You know, like, like it, it's, it's, it's their version of reality and how they see how they've been treated and adults and how they view all this other stuff mm -hmm. instead. Like, even that, if that's not like what you would see from the outside, that's how it looks to them. Kind of that same, yeah. that's same idea almost like. I think that makes sense for sure. Yeah. Like, that's what it would look like um and stuff like that so what did you think of like since it's a video game what did you think of like the music the graphics the the mechanics and all that stuff oh my god in terms of playing the game oh man like i mean there were times and this you know i had the same issue with the first game as well there are some like very like small mechanical things like claiming that were a little wonky um but overall, I mean, they nailed the atmosphere with the art and the music and the animation and everything else. So you like they fully immerse you in this horrifying world of a child's uh, perception of it, where, you know, all the horrors in the world live, all the what what did what did they say about the the first game ah where'd it go mm. yeah just just that um it was meant to represent like we're all like the worst parts of the world are like left to rot 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then even like with, with that in mind, having the same sort of vibe with the second one, um, you know, it's not just places that are left to rot. It's, you know, people, it's other kids. Cause you run into, um, what, what would you call them? Like not ghosts, but hold on. You, you had, um, oh, gnomes. They're the skittish creatures who were once human. Right. Uh, yeah. So it's like, how long have these kids been trapped in this world that they've just kind of like turned to creepy gnomes? <laughs> Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. You know. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just interesting to think about. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of stuff there, and I think you really have to, like I said, to sit and think about it. it might yeah. be one of those things, like you know, a lot of stuff we say. You know, everyone has a different experience with things and they're going to come at it in a different way. Um, I think we talked about that last time too. So I'm sure people can play this game and play the other game and they'll come up with a bunch of different things, you know, that it, that it means to them or what they got from it and stuff like that. And because it has no dialogue in the way it's set up, you know, it, it lends itself to that, to getting it, to getting whatever it is you get out of the game Mm -hmm. because, you know, um, which, you know, I mean, like I said, you know, here I am, it, you know, kind of went over my head or whatever, but um, yeah, I mean, that doesn't mean that somebody else didn't get like a huge amount out of it and saw yeah. a whole bunch of stuff that, that called to them and, and whatever. But now, now that we've been talking, I can kind of see it as that, like, For you sure. know, yeah. kids trying to deal with like the adult world, whether it's the real version and it's just like, here's a metaphor for childhood or whether it's some kind of, this is how kids see the world sometimes. Yeah. If they've been traumatized, they see it as like monstrous and, you know, creepy and, you know, Mm -hmm. abusive and morbid and all that other stuff, you know, and that's just how they see it. Um, Whether or not, you know, but I can definitely see where that comes across. Yeah. You know, and it's like in the new Suicide Squad movie where there's the the uh, polka dot guy. Polka dot man. Polka dot man. Like there's the whole like um, he tells his whole story about how like his mom tried to experiment on him and his I forget like brother or sister. So they would be able to like shoot out lethal poke polka dots from from their bodies um but he's so angry with his mom that all the villains that he sees or even like his friends sometimes you know just look exactly like his mom and then there's this one part at the end or i forget which character it was but he he just goes hey look it's your mom and he turns and then it's his mom is like the monster villain and everything and he just goes into this rage mode like wanting to destroy her right but even though Mm -hmm it's not his mom he's just still channeling that anger that that he still carries um so kind of with that in mind I want to ask you something then since we kind of talked about like how mono turns into the thin man and how that was um it kind of indicated that the thin man is mono's future self um Mm -hmm. six basically like she abandons him to like try to get to the mod to get to where where she's going so if we also like if we chronologically play we play little night nightmares two first and then we play the first one second um six kind of does the same thing in little nightmares there's other kids who are in danger and everything but she just ignores them and she leaves them as sort of like she's trying to save save herself so what is, mm. you know, so with, with that in mind and the fact that in Little Night- Nightmares 2, you're playing as Mono and your whole thing is you're supposed to be working together with Six and you're supposed to save Six and then she like abandons you at the end. Like, what is your take on since, I mean, really, that's really the only kind of like, like character relationship that you have throughout the in- entire game. Like, what is, what does that say? 
about childhood and friends and things like that. And is that something that we can fault six for? Cause she's clearly dealing with her own fucked up childhood too, you know? Yeah. I mean, I mean, it really does have to say something about, you know, <laughs> as adults, if you, you know, want to learn and grow, you definitely learn a lot of the ways that your parents messed you up when you were a kid. Mm-hmm. Or a lot of the things, the things you happened to you when you were a kid, how even stuff your friends did to you and how all this stuff kind of affects you. And to not do those things, you kind of have to make like this conscious effort, right? You have to decide I'm not going to do the same things. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? I mean, yeah, Six did that to him, but then, or did that to Mono, but then Mono made the choice to kind of let that, you know what I'm saying? They were trapped, you know, Um, because we do, it's, it's a tale of, you know, be be careful Mm -hmm. that you don't kind of become the thing that messed you up when you were a kid. And sometimes it's just because we don't know any better. Yeah. You know, if your parents did certain things, that's what you know. So when you have kids, you do those things. Unless, unless, you know, you've made a determination that, hell no, I'm not going to, I'm not going to do what my parents did. You know, but, but it's the default because that's what you know. That's what you saw when you were a kid. Oh, this is what my parents did to me. If I did something they didn't like, this is how they handled it. Mm. If this, that, and the other thing, this is what happened. So if this is what Mono knows, you know, that that's what, that's what you do, you know, right? You mean six? Six, six. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. The other one. Yeah. Right. If that's what you know. Yeah. And we don't really know anything about like their actual lives beyond like, oh, they're sucked into this horrible and terrifying world. And, you know, Mono is this kid who's trying to be the good guy and like save everybody while six, you know, it's kind of just when it comes down to it, you know, is out to try to save her own skin, basically. Um, Right. So is six any better, (laughs) you know, like, I mean- But can we, yeah, can we fault her forward for that? Cause she's clearly a child and. (laughs) Right. Exactly. You know, so like, you know, I mean, what do you do? You know, I guess it's just a matter of being aware, you know, I mean, that's really the only thing you can do is, I mean, I'm sure there's things I do that might be harmful that my parents did to me that I just haven't learned about yet. So I think the thing you have to do is just, be aware of when someone tells you these things and be open to it. Like, don't be, because you can't blame yourself for not knowing. Yeah. I mean, if you don't know any better, you don't know any better. Right. You know, if if no one ever taught you better and you don't know any better and you've never experienced any better, you can't, you know, I mean, that's the cycle, right? Mm -hmm. So the way to do it is, is hopefully you've gathered enough to be able to like self-reflect yeah. And that when somebody mentions something to not like lash out or be defensive, but like seriously consider what they say. Yeah. You know, like about how it hurt them and what this habit is and what you were doing and stuff like that. I mean, you know, I mean, as it does, it can come back around, you know, if you're not, yeah. if you're not careful, I mean, like it, like it did in the game, you know, he did all spend all that time fighting to get, that and fought the thin man just to become to become the thin man yeah to become it you know yeah and it kind of I mean the way that it plays out in in the game too it seemed like mono becoming the thin man is a is a direct result of six just like abandoning him and oh god that's depressing man it's like six you were kind of like directly responsible for this boy growing up to be this horrible horrible like monster this this villain right and then you know it's kind of at least for for me was kind of like a mind fuck to to realize like the entire time as the 
player playing mono, I was fighting with my future self only to later become that future self. It was like inevitable. Yeah. And it felt very much like, oh crap, no matter like everything I did in this game to, it was to try to survive, yeah. like I survived. Yeah. But it was at the end, the person who I trusted most leaving me behind, that's what broke me. Right. The one you done yeah. all that stuff with, you know, isn't that one the worst, yeah. right? Like in your life, like, isn't that one the worst? It is like, you know, somebody you barely know, like stitch you for some money or something like that. And you're like, eh, well, whatever. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. They owe me 20 bucks or they stiffed me off at 20 bucks, but I didn't really know them. I didn't really care. Yeah. You know, but you have some friend who says something and then it's like, what the the hell? Yeah. It's like, you know, like I I know you. Yeah. You know, I mean, it was like, I mean, and even as an adult that happens, I mean, I've had that with the past few years, I've had several friends say things, friends that I've known, one of them I've known since third grade. Mm -hmm. I know some for since third grade, I knew two of them since college. And one of them for like six, seven years. And I've been really good friends. And then at certain points, they all said stuff that was just like. Like, I can't believe this. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I can't believe this. Like, I I don't even know you. Like, I, I thought I did. You know, but then but then you do this or say something like that or do that. Like, I don't. It just completely shatters your perception and makes you miss, like, question your judgment of people. Yeah. You know? And it's like, oh, I thought I thought you were good. I thought, you know, we were on the same wavelength. I thought, you know, we believe the same things. I thought. I thought I thought you wouldn't abandon me. Yeah. Oh, you wanted to be right, exactly. when we're trying to escape and we work together this entire time. But now <laughs> when it's like, you know, the um, it's 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 the climax of the story and you make the decision to abandon me when I've helped you out this entire time. Yeah, I rescued Fuck. you because like Mono yeah. rescued six. Yeah. And clearly that broke Mono like permanently. Yeah. I mean, it, it sucks. You know, you think, you think you kind of knew somebody and knew what one knew what they were about and, and stuff like that. And then all of a sudden when it came down to it, they didn't, they didn't give a crap, you know? And then you're like, what the, what the hell? Right. And you know, like, that's almost like not not the true horrors of of the world but at least at least me and i'm sure you might feel 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 the same way too it's those kinds of horrors that are not overt you know that sneak up on you in that way those are the ones that are the most terrifying i think you know mm-hmm. yeah you got the teacher with her neck that cranes everywhere but like you just look at her you know she you know, who, she, you know, who, 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 who the teacher is on the outside is who she is on the inside. There's no, like, it, it, it at least, you know, deception. What, yeah. At least, you know, what you're getting into with six. Yeah. No. And it also yeah. makes like, um, going back and playing, like, if like, maybe you shouldn't play these games like chronologically like play little night maybe you should night- play the second one first no play 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 the first one first and then and then the second one because then otherwise you go into the first game <laughs> knowing that <laughs> i am playing six and i just abandoned this other kid and he became the thin man yeah. that is because of yeah. me and you d- abandon more kids in 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 the first game too so it kind of like sullies your perception of this this little girl too like i'm playing an asshole (laughs) yeah it's not her fault (laughs) yeah you know like what what happens there you know how much do you fault that and whatnot for sure so any final uh 
thought comment no did you enjoy oh yeah enjoy? enjoyed the crap out of this one as much as I did the uh, first first one as well um and I love yeah. you know would highly recommend if people haven't um played any of these games to go and do that get get the DLCs check out the comic books that you know that go with it that expand on they did comic books yeah there's there's there's, there's a couple comics yeah I think just like four or something. Yeah. yeah. So huh. um highly rec- recommended. Um, the second one actually recently came out for Xbox Series X and S, and as well as PS5, I believe. Um, you can also this game is also on Stadia, you can find it on Steam, anywhere for Windows PC. Um yeah, might be on the Nintendo Switch too. Uh, so yeah, you could Wait. you could basically find this game anywhere if you know uh, us talking about the character relationships and childhood trauma and all that stuff, which I feel like we talk about a lot. But then again, that's a lot of horror, though. You know, and it's real horror. So true. Yeah, enjoyed true, it. True, true, true. Well, um, thank you, everybody, for joining us for this discussion. Let us know what you thought of Little Nightmares, too. Did you see anything we missed? You probably definitely missed stuff I missed because a lot of it went I, over my head, you and I me guess. too. Like, did you, <laughs> did you get a different interpretation, you know? Right. You know, um, let us know. Let us know. Tweet us. Um, we're on Twitter most of the time. Um, I'll go into that in a second. Um, next time, we are doing a whole-ass movie trilogy. <laughs> we are doing the Fear Street trilogy, um, 1994, 1978, and 1666. Woo! As they are called, Fear Street. First one being Fear Street, 1994. Second one is Fear Street, 1978. And the third one is Fear Street, 1666. Yeah. Um, and Fear Street trilogy was of course um based off the books by rl stein um were you a fan of the fear street books oh my god was i oh yes all the rl like goosebumps and then i that's what got me into fear street as as i got older um and then there was the like the choose your own adventure style books as well i loved those Mm For sure, for sure, for sure. I, I got into them quite a bit myself. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, some of them are just like, I mean, he had the goosebumps, which is for like the middle grade and like whatever. And then he had the fear street, which is for the, like the the uh, the teenagers, mm-hmm. I guess, or the slightly older kids and stuff like that. And some of the stuff in it, man. Um, I mean, gosh, yeah. Yeah, and um, and there's all sorts of little Arl Stein Easter eggs in these, from what I understand. Oh, so that's gonna be exciting. Yeah, we'll have to look out for those. Um, and it was uh, it done in 2021, so it just came out. It's on Netflix. Um, again, based on the books by Arl Stein and directed by Leah Janiak. This was actually her premiere, her her debut director oh, sweet um and she has the um a little bit of trivia she had um she's very interesting because she's the first director to never been in a writer's room before really? she strictly went from yeah or one of the first oh. it's very unusual for that to happen um but apparently yeah so um hey it works i'll see you clearly we'll see if she comes out swinging yeah so and when you're listening to that episode it will be my birthday uh, yes make sure y'all it'll be my birthday wish danny a very happy birthday on when this comes out september 7th the 21st the 21st excuse me i am um, yeah so this episode <laughs> uh, the the yeah the the fear sheet trilogy will come out um the episode will come out the 21st which is my birthday so um when you're listening to that it will be my birthday 
when it comes out. And um, you can, but if you want to chat about that, the Fear Street Trilogy, if there's any questions you want us to know, or you want to talk about any of the episodes we've done or Little Nightmares 2, or you want to let us know stuff you think we should talk about, um, go ahead and follow us on Twitter the bo- at the box underscore podcast. Uh, we are on Slasher, I mean, occasionally. I wish they would get that. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, you know the the things sit up because it just it's, is slow. It's slow yeah. Um, but we are at Tell Us What's in the Box, and you can listen to us on Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Podbean, or wherever you're listening to it now, and wherever you can listen to podcasts. <laughs> so, until then, remember, shake, shake the, the box, box before you open it. That's right. Yes. Shake the box. Just don't. Just don't look in it. Just don't look in it. It could be severed head. <laughs>